It's starting to finally cool down in Phoenix after our record-breaking 31-day heat streak this July. These were temperatures well over 100 degrees. The weather reports have been warning us about sunburns and heat exhaustion, but it may be giving us a healthy warning about other things too. According to a 2014 study by the United States Department of Justice, they did see a rise of violent crime in the summer months. You're listening to Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm intern producer Celeste Larita, and we're answering the question, does our hot weather correlate with crime rates? The answer is not that straightforward. That same 2014 Department of Justice study states that crimes like rape, aggravated assault, and domestic violence are higher in the summertime. When I reached out to the Phoenix Police Department, they did not want to comment. But they directed me to data on crimes broken down by monthly averages. For 2022 and 2020, the months with the highest averages were during the hottest months, June, July, August, and September. But in 2021, February and March had the highest concentration of crimes. This shows that there is still a lot of research to be done on the connection. I'd say we are not all privy to violent crimes that go on during the hottest months, but I do think we know about road rage all too well. Picture this, guys. You're driving home in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the I-10. You wore those stuffy pants that you hate for some reason, but that reason becomes very apparent because the AC in your car is not helping the way that you'd like it to. You're sweating. Finally, you get some momentum on the road. Great. You're finally moving. Then boom. Someone cuts you off. No turn signal, no warning, nothing. What are you gonna do? It's very easy for road rage to kick in in times like these. Kenrick Douglas, a social psychology professor at Arizona State University, studies just this. I talked to him about his research on ambient temperatures and road rage. Somewhere in northern Phoenix, we had an intersection with one of those islands in the center so that if somebody's parked in front of you waiting for the light to turn green, you can't go around them. So our research assistant basically blocked the lane and... When the light turned green, she didn't do anything. And she just sat there for the whole time that the light was green, which if you're sitting in a car waiting, can seem like an infinity, but it's less than a minute. Only a minute seems harmless, right? Wrong. For her, it turned dangerous. People just tended to wait a few seconds, that little polite honk. But when the temperature got high, they leaned into the door and they hit it sooner. And some of them spent like the whole time, And some of them also gave her these uh, hand signals, the the kind that you don't learn in driver's education. One person even chased her into a parking lot. Robin Cooper is the co-founder of Climate Psychiatry Alliance. I got to ask her, are we really this angry when it's hot? A one standard deviation increase in temperature over the norm will have a 4% increase in interpersonal violence and a 14% increase in intergroup violence. But at the individual level, we're seeing increase in violent crime, the inability to contain and hold 
cranky feelings from expression into action and violence is of really big concern. When I say increase violence, what we're seeing is interpersonal violence, not property-related types of violence. So I think that that's an important distinction to make. It is people getting into scrapes between each other. That violent crime between people, the explosivity that translates to um, taking it out on someone else. There is no doubt that the city of Phoenix has been getting hotter over the past few years. The previous 1974 heat streak lasted 17 days. Our July 2023 heat streak has nearly doubled in days, with temperatures of 110 degrees or higher. With temperatures like this, people are cooking food on the pavement just because they can. I'm just going to leave this egg here for a little and go check on the one in the back. What do you guys think? Do you think it cooked? Oh my god! I have breakfast! Yeah. State climatologist Dr. Aaron Ann Staffel filled me in. So Arizona has been measuring temperature across the state since the late 1800s. And when we look at those temperatures then versus now, we can see that across the state, temperatures have increased on average about two and a half degrees Fahrenheit. It's not in every location, and some locations are getting hotter, but that's what's been going on for the last 130 years or so. What we have been noticing in Arizona, in most counties, is that the nighttime temperatures have been getting hotter. In fact, the nighttime temperatures have been getting hotter than the daytime temperatures. And so really a lot of folks can recognize that when they're going outside, outside their house, and it's just not as cool as it used to be a few years ago. With our already high heat, Arizona has an office dedicated to heat and mitigation, where they research and help the community with these high temperatures. Chief Heat Officer David Hundula explains the changes. As we look back into the, the 50s or 60s, uh, we see an increase in daytime maximum temperatures on average across the whole year, somewhere between 1 and 2 degrees Fahrenheit, again, depending on the start point and the end point and which particular weather station we're looking at. When we look at overnight temperatures, which people tell us they're very concerned about, the increase in overnight temperatures, triple, maybe even quadruple that rate of warming, 5, 6, 7, 8 degrees Fahrenheit of warming over several decades. It's a significant trend, and it is a trend that people tell us about. We don't have to look at the climate record. We can go take a lap around the building here, and if we can find someone who has lived in this area for any appreciable amount of time, they will almost certainly talk about how much warmer the nights are than what they remember growing up. And they'll often talk about these memories of playing in the streets in their bare feet in the evenings, in the cool desert evenings, longing for that experience uh, today, which is so hard to achieve in our urban core. But who is this affecting the most? According to Kenrick Douglas from ASU, there is a demographic that is prone to be the angriest in his study. We recorded that they seem young or old, and it was, so it was young men. Did young women do the same thing? I don't believe we found that it was just youth. It was more like male plus youth. And that's kind of, you know, with the look at aggressive crime, who's the most dangerous person out there? It's a young male. And, uh, you know, especially males around the age when they start driving are the most likely to engage in criminal assault. You may be thinking, Celeste, we exist in air conditioning all summer. And for many of us, yes, we do. 
We're very fortunate because there are communities that are facing the sassy but dangerous epidemic that we are seeing in correlation to the heat, according to Robin of the Climate Psychiatry Alliance. When we look at, at um, communities that have less resources, that live in homes that are a poor condition, that are not ventilated, who cannot afford air conditioning, or deciding to turn on air conditioning if they have to is a choice between paying for the energy to drive that or getting food or medication. So we are seeing significant impacts for communities that don't have access to resources and enough wealth. And that, of course, impacts communities of color much more severely than other communities. Then in other ways, children, infants, and elderly, those at the extremes of the developmental spectrum, are most significantly impacted by extreme heat for biological reasons in terms of how our, our bodies handle heat and are able to cool down, as well as other factors. Children need to be outside, but their body size in proportion to their ability to dissipate heat through their skin changes. They don't have mature systems for cooling like older people. There are many things for elderly population that decrease their ability to sustain cool internal temperatures. The overwhelming changes are concerning when you look at these studies showing how violence rises when heat does. Another study done by the Bureau of Economic Research further states that people tend to get 18% scrappier when it's hot. So with this being said, what is Phoenix doing to keep us cool? David Hamdullah fills me in on their latest efforts. The city has more than 50 facilities that operate as a cooling center or hydration station. What our office has really leaned into out of this portfolio of, of 30 different programs and services is the, the direct heat relief outreach program that we call We're Cool. This is a program that, that did exist before the heat office was created, but we've really tried to amplify it. I think we've increased the number of of outreach uh, shifts and engagements and volunteer hours by probably a factor of 20 over the last two years. It's really been a significant uh, mobilization. This year, I think we're approaching about 7,000 engagements right now, uh, whether it's out on city streets or at city trailheads. Uh, we've handed out thousands and thousands of water bottles, hats, cooling towels, uh, and we see those as really important parts of our mission. For a little atmospheric science 101, if I may, for our listeners, the atmosphere is heated from the ground up. It's how hot the ground is that really has a strong influence on how hot the air is. So anytime we can find hot ground and make it a little less hot, that has the potential to lower air temperature uh, in the city. And when we look at thermal pictures of the city, it's very clear there are two features that are hot roads and roofs. So anything we could do to make the roads and roofs a little less hot could produce a win. Uh, for the urban climate system as a whole. So our street transportation department recognized this a number of years ago, working with our Office of Sustainability, uh, and they have been deploying a more reflective coating on city streets. To the eye, it looks like more of a light to medium gray than a black or a dark gray. And the seal coat they've applied reflects more sunlight away from the road surface rather than the road absorbing it and then slowly re-releasing it into the environment. As, as anyone would know, it was walked on a road surface, even after the sun has gone down, it's very, very hot. The cool pavement technology is meant to reduce that effect. It can't completely eliminate it. We're still talking about hardscape in the city, but
but it can increase the reflectivity of the pavement to reduce that effect. Now you must be asking yourself, what can I do? When I'm getting overheated, what can I do to stay cool and keep my cool? In regard to your mood, if you're in your car, roll down your windows and let the hot air out before driving and keep your composure. You never know what the other driver is capable of. And as for the overwhelming physiological aspects going on, drink water, use cool towels to keep you refreshed. Don't leave pets and children unattended in cars. And finally, check up on your more vulnerable neighbors, like the elderly, especially during heat waves. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. Do you have questions about Arizona? Let us know by visiting valley101.azcentral.com. Thank you to our guests for providing their insight. This episode was written and produced by me, Celeste Larita. Today's musical scoring came from Universal Production Music. You can support Valley 101 by subscribing to us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. If you liked today's episode, share it with a friend. You can follow us on social media at AZC Podcast. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. I'm Celeste Larita. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.